Chris Biddle and welcome to episode 24 of Inside AgriTurf. Yes, thank you for joining me. Now once again I'm turning to issues of recruitment into the AgriTurf industry, a vital yet niche industry that we agree flies under the radar of general public recognition. How do we attract new talent, the right talent, into a rapidly evolving specialist sector that supports the production of food in the UK? In a recent episode of Inside AgriTurf, I was in conversation with Richard Charles, the training manager UK and Ireland for the Agco Corporation, and he was concerned at the perception of the industry by outsiders. I've heard this conversation that we can never get good people, time and time and time again. Uh, but I've never actually heard anyone say what we're going to do about it or what are we doing about it. We are perceived to be a closed shop. The industry is perceived to be a closed shop. If you are not in the industry, you can't get in the industry. Now, maybe there is some truth in what Richard says, but it's no good simply bemoaning the state of affairs. There are recruitment opportunities, and I'm delighted to be joined today by two people who are taking a proactive approach. One runs a matchmaking, shall we call it, operation, connecting ex-service personnel with jobs in agriculture. The other has spent over 20 years in the army, most recently as a technical instructor on tanks but who has recently found his niche at one of the country's largest agricultural machinery dealerships. I'll let them introduce themselves. Yeah, hi Chris, I'm Jeremy Gibbs, founder of Forces Farming. It's a year, 18 months ago, to help people who are leaving the armed forces or coming up to leave the armed forces or potentially a veteran um, find their way into the industry that is agriculture. So Forces Farming covers everything from agricultural engineering to dairy farming, beef, sheep, everything like that. But it was to link up the two industries, the armed forces and agriculture. Oh, that, that's brilliant. And my other guest today is, is Will Foster. Hi, Will. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Chris. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, so uh, my name is Will Foster. Uh, I left the army. After 23 years of service, um, my last posting was at Bovington, uh, where I worked as a technical training instructor on uh, Challenger 2 main battle tank uh, and a couple of other vehicle platforms. Um, I entered my resettlement period whilst I was posted down there uh, and subsequently, having now left the army, um, I now work for a company called Chandler's, who are a rather large agco dealer yeah. over at the Belton branch. In Grantham. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so uh, last posting was in uh, God's Own Country down in Dorset. A uh, very nice place to, I guess, oh, to yeah. finish up your uh, service career. So if I could come to Jeremy first. Uh, Jeremy, what's your background? Is it in the forces or farming or somewhere between what? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. No, so I spent my life in agriculture from I grew up on a family friend's dairy farm. Um, in Berkshire on the Hampshire border and and after school weekends holidays spent my life you know watching what goes on learning what happens you know experiencing harvest this kind of thing um, and then I moved into uh, sorry moved across to, to Sparsholt College down in Hampshire did a national diploma in agriculture knew that I wanted always to work in agriculture and do something in uh, related to agriculture 
after three years at Sparshot College, I moved to Harper Adams up mm-hmm. in Shropshire and did a degree in agriculture with mechanisation and marketing. So knowing that I wanted to work in the, let's say, the mechanical side of the business, I didn't want to get into engineering. That wasn't for me. But this selling, the how it works, the optimising, getting machines to work, that sort of side of it interested me. Um, following, yeah, three years at Harper Adams, I, I moved uh, to work for John Deere and spent about nine and a half years, it was in the end, working for John Deere. I started in 2005 up in the branch at Langer, had three months as a student following some prototype round balers and mowers across the UK that were being tested um, to be launched the following year. So spent a while as a, as a service engineer. And then um, an opportunity came up to join the training centre. We're working under um, Peter Leach, as the responsibility was then. Um, and then under a chap called Neil Mesa, who I still talk to now, and had nearly three seasons working in training, starting off with the turf side of the business. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was when we were, we were really starting to make the turf training more professional. So I was working on things like cylinder mowers and commercial mowing equipment and, and gaiters and things like that and compact tractors. And then after, yeah, after about three years nearly in the UK, um, Neil Mesa came to me and said, look, you know, the training side of it's going really well. Um, we're slightly restructuring how training's made. Are you interested in moving to Germany and working in the European training development team? So then I was developing sales and service training material for UK, French, German, um, Spanish, Italian dealers uh, that was all done centrally. After my time in training out in Mannheim in Germany, um, I moved into combine sales and marketing and then um, spent about yeah, about three or four years working in combine sales and marketing, heading up their European team with about 15 specialists across, uh, across Europe and um, targeting, yeah, increasing sales of John Deere combines. So, um, so you've got a, a, a very wide range experience in, in machinery. So how and why... Uh, was Forces Farming uh, formed? Yeah, so when I left John Deere to come back to the UK, I wanted to get back into, as, as I sort of call it, frontline farming. You know, that's where my passion lies, is, is being out in the field or on farms or working with farmers. And over my time since I've been back in the UK, I've, I've realised, you know, as a, a lot of people have, that there is a shortage of new entrants coming into agriculture. It's a fantastic industry to be in. Um, I, I wouldn't want to work anywhere else. And I just enjoy promoting it. And a few close friends of mine have served, are serving or um, have been medically discharged. And I just ran it past them one day and just said, you know, when you were leaving the armed forces, did you have exposure or, you know, was agriculture put to you as a, as a potential employment opportunity? And the con- constant answer, so was no you know mm. we, it, it's not really connected to the armed forces it's not promoted and I just saw that as an opportunity for me with my industry background you know coming from sitting on a gate watching them making hay and milking and everything all the way up to being um, you know European manager for combine sales that that you can come into the industry you don't have to be a farmer you don't have to be born into it you know that's that's where I came from um, so then I set up the the structure of insight experience placement and then career development so so when did this all happen when did you actually set it up then jeremy 
So Forces Farming Limited was founded around about June 2019, while I was being working as self-employed on a couple of farms and doing harvest jobs and things. And I was running it on the side, literally just signposting people, you know, to opportunities in agriculture. And then about 12 months ago, the website went live. So early 2020, um, and I, I had the structure in place of getting people out onto farms. Um, and then, of course, we, we hit lockdown and I had to push pause on, on any sure. group meetings on farms and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I set up uh, last year in June um, my community interest company, which is called Forces Into Agriculture, which then funds the activities that I'm doing on farms with service leaders. Sure. Um, you, you, you mentioned just a minute ago um, four, four steps, a four step format, which if I can remember was something like insight, experience, placement and uh, career development um, is insight does that mean to give those that have no real knowledge of what happens within agriculture um, an insight into the industry to see whether they like it in the first place yeah exactly that Chris I mean for me before you know in an ideal situation before anyone looks at moving into a new industry you really want to do a bit and, and will all reinforce this you know a bit of reconnaissance find out what are the opportunities there what are the hours like you know what are the working conditions like you know being honest with people you know what is what's the what's the salary like what's the pay grade like what's yep. the holidays like but also you know if i if i have people coming on to farms and they enjoy you know let's say in this case you know the the, the mechanical side of the business um then what opportunities are there as as in that area as a career path Sure. So, yeah, that that insight for me is the first step in, in getting onto farms, understanding from farmers what they do and, and what else is associated with the industry um, that is agriculture. Do you have any sense of the, the, the scale of, shall we call it your market, the total number of service leavers uh, who are maybe currently looking for posts, their, their average age and indeed those that might have shown some interest in, in agriculture? Yeah, I mean, I did some work in the past with Oxfordshire County Council, and they said there's around three or four hundred people that are interested in getting into the rural sector um, and working outdoors, whether that's forestry, fishing, agriculture or engineering. And, and realistically, the, the average age of a service leaver, believe it or not, is, is 29. So sure, there's a yeah. huge opportunity for people coming into agriculture at the right age, you know, to spend 30 plus years working in the industry yeah yeah and um well, you know looking from your perspective what, what do you think the attributes uh, of a service lever brings to a company in in the agriculture sector so for me one of the key things of anyone coming in to the agricultural sector is the ability to learn and you know understand what needs doing let's say grasp that task um, and get on with it as as a job basically combined with um, you know their timeliness that sort of thing and and also problem solving and things like that um, a great few friends of mine that have served have said you know in and Willow say this as well you know in the armed forces you've got to get the job done with the tools you've got um, you know you can't just request a new part 
on the side of the field, for example, and, and, and wish that you had this spanner and that spanner, you've got to make things work. So getting the job done, arriving on time and being able to learn quickly for me are the key things going into agriculture. Yeah. Sure. And, and uh, I'm sure Will will have an, um, a view on this, but from, from, from your point of view, what do you think might be the major challenges of people transitioning from the services to Civvy Street? It's understanding, I think, what what you're going to be doing. You know, how how do things work in in Civvy Street? You know, and that that might be all the way from you know paying your council tax to finding a house, paying rent. You know, having a credit score for argument's sake. You know, all of those kind of things that that are new to someone um, going, you know, coming out of the armed forces, but also having structure, and that's what I think. Um, one of the biggest benefits of moving into agriculture is is you you don't have to potentially transition as much as you might do in a nine to five job working in an office you know ag- agricultural and, and turf workshops you can still have a sense of banter you're getting things done you're working hard you can have a joke and a laugh with colleagues that kind of thing yeah yeah okay that's that's great and so to you will you, you finished your service career as you say last year when you were a, a technical a trainer uh, on tanks uh, obviously instructing drivers and mechanics commanders and and and, and so on but before that what sort of roles that you had within the army oh well goodness um <laughs> it, it starts off so i was 17 when i signed on the dotted line i did a couple of months free for queen of country before i started in, entered into uh, man service uh, and from the bottom up you uh, you start off as a driver um which was probably the biggest uh, mag- to join the Royal Armoured Corps, uh, wanted to go and play with tanks. Uh, and then from there, you, you see kind of like your career progression open out in front of you. You have a, a, a choice, really, of which way is you want to be going, uh, influenced, you know, so that both parties uh, are having their scratches itched, if you like, uh, <laughs> with requirements. Um, and I chose to go down the, the avenue of driving and maintenance. Yeah. Um, there were telecommunications and then weapon systems as well. Cool. Um, from there, you'd go into a like an, an operator's seat uh, and fight the weapon systems. Um, and then from there, you would transition into a tank commander's role um, where you would be responsible for the other members of your crew that made up that vehicle. And then progression from there would be a troop sergeant slot where I uh, did that. Over in Afghanistan, you'd have a, a fleet of four vehicles uh, and you would be responsible for ensuring that they were maintained properly. Sure. Uh, logistics were all counted for, fed, fed water and bullets. Um, and then from there, I kind of went into uh, going over to Bovington. So did you have any specific... Of the Royal Armoured Corps. Yeah. D- d- Will, did you have any specific training to be a, a trainer um because obviously uh, going from doing to talking about it or teaching um is a different discipline uh was there much advice or guidance Absolutely. given to you on that I, I i strongly feel that the transferable skills made from like a military context into a civilian one are, are totally there i mean uh, investors in people has been around for quite a while now that scheme um, and that that really shone through with my time at Bovington and they they put me through my adult teaching qualifications uh, up to level five 
uh, so uh, certificate in lifelong learning sector. Um, and, and, the, and the platform that, and, and the format that we used to teach to uh, was highly appealing to a, a lot of other technical trainers. Uh, I, was, I was confronted by uh, Volvo. They wanted me to go down. And they were very excited to see one of my presentations really go on good. down at their headquarters. Yeah. Um, so tra- training down there was, was of the best. I, I should have asked you maybe right at the outset. Um, uh, Jeremy said that the average age of people leaving the army is 29. You joined at 17. Uh, can I delicately ask what age you are now? <laughs> I often say that it's the, I'm 21 plus VAT, but no, actually, um, I, I got out on my 40th birthday. Okay. Um, or, or a couple of weeks after. Yeah. So yeah, I've just approached that, that, that hard thing. So, so Will, what, what, what sort of careers advice is, is available to you in the services before you, you leave and before you start searching for a, 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 a career, which, uh, you know, at, at the age of 40, you've got a long time ahead of you yet. It's all very, uh, individualistic uh, in the dependent on the time served will depend on what kind of packages are opened up to you uh, but as a general rule uh, you will go to the career transition partnership CTP now they're uh, contracted to to provide advice guidance and all the other kind of elements that would help a service lever from any of the three services yeah go from life within a, a military context uh, and successfully uh, however success may be deemed at it's, it's that, that where the individual kind of element comes into it so you find out what where do you want to be and they will hold your hand for want of a better analogy uh, yep. up until that has been achieved and you, even now I know I think I've got access to that support network for another two three years after um, I've left the services uh, and they, they periodically send me emails going, you know, how are you doing? Uh, is there anything else we can oh, help good. you um, with? So there is a follow up. And how, how, how long before you lose, you leave the service, does this service kick in then? Again, this is where it depends on time done. Uh, there is a minimum criteria uh, and then certain elements are bolted onto it, like funding, um, at learning credits and the amount of time that you get uh, at the end uh, for uh, termination leave etc um, but if you how I approached it as through natural wastage uh, I met my contract of having served 22 years minimum man service um, and then that would allow me to automatically get enrolled into the repro um, the, the process of uh, transitioning uh, two years out uh, so it's a it, it sounds like a long time and anybody of, of the generation where they're in that, that stage, they will soon watch those days clock away and just yes, start to disappear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and was agriculture on your radar at any time? Was that your first choice? Not whilst I was in the army. No, no. Well, as a, as a, as a kid, yes. Um, <laughs> I was very interested in it. Um, and I, I was a member of the cadets uh, and then my, my military didn't on, or like outlook on life started to get more and more influential. So I then followed a couple of friends into the armored corps um, and then agriculture took a back burner. But uh, I often say with the guys that I currently work with, uh, you know, that my, my, my take on it was always a case of you were, you were born into agriculture, not necessarily grew mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. And that was a, something that I clearly got wrong because you know, well, I'm, 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 I'm a living 
need be the testament to it that uh, I wasn't born into it, uh, but I do see lots of evidence of like sons and daughters carrying on the legacy. If you yeah, sure. Like. So, um, what sort of resources did you use to to find a a, a, particular, a suitable post? Were, were you in touch with Jeremy at that time, or did you have to do a lot of research yourself? Yeah, so the the, the hand-holding exercise given to me by uh, CTP was get amongst social media. Uh, and the first platform that anybody will ever mention is LinkedIn and how much of a powerful tool that is. Uh -huh. So uh, I'm a fond believer that if you don't take other people's advice, you're probably going to be falling short pretty soon after. So I got onto, onto LinkedIn uh, and started doing my networking um, and searching for, for jobs left right and Chelsea really my, my initial interests were were traction and rolling stock um and I, I was wanting to do something other than doing nothing so I put a bit of effort into that uh and a few plans fell through on that but my yeah. contingency meant that I'd maintained going through uh, by this point I, I reached out to Jeremy uh, and a couple of other guys that I now currently work with uh you know going your job sounds really cool. Uh, what, what's the script? Uh, and they furnished me with a bit more information. And the more information that I was able to procure via social distancing, uh, researching online uh, and phone calls with the odd um, knocking on doorsteps going yeah. ahead. I was like, there was, there was a childlike passion reawoken within me that uh, just was undeniably powerful that I was like, <laughs> well, well, you've got to go down this, you know, because realistically what kid firstly doesn't like to play with tanks but secondly doesn't like to play with tractors and i've yeah. got the best of both worlds <laughs> yes so um did you find uh, much information available to you on linkedin and um d did many opportunities arise from that uh, will yeah yeah i, I it's it's a one-stop shop really i felt that platform uh because you can then start reaching out to like their own websites and seminars um organized events re-referencing material where uh, the before during and after where industries are going um and yeah uh, having it as accessible and local on your phone just made it really easy to strike whilst the iron was hot so did you did you manage to unearth any opportunities to get any work experience within the within the industry yeah actually i did uh, initially my my plan was to go to the National Rail, uh, National Training Academy, no, it was uh, RIDIC, it's called Rational Innovation for Tra uh, Training Development Centre for National Rail. Uh, and there was a couple of service leaders there, uh, but COVID got in the way. Uh, so that got curtailed and I had to remain flexible and dynamic and readjust slightly. And I didn't want to waste a window of opportunity that I had to offer my services free of charge just in exchange for a bit of experience and so I put the the, the feelers out there with a few companies locally uh, and I actually got a bite from a company called Ben Burgess um, a, the, the, the branch manager phoned me up from Mr. Uh, Mr. Tim Vasher and was like well uh, I've got your CV in front of me I'd just like to take you up on the offer uh, when can you come uh, that was on a Friday afternoon I was like right like, well, you're about an hour away, mate. I'll be there in about an hour and ten. And he's like, no, no. Can we wait till Tuesday, please? I was like, oh, God, really? Okay. <laughs> so I had to kind of like calm myself down, wait for the Tuesday. And um, I went along, uh, was like bedazzled by all the glitz and glamour that was uh, what they gave me. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I really like this. Um, and this is where 
I'm glad that I've chosen this path and this is where I'm going to be heading. And I did all that I could do to ensure that that happened. Yeah. And, and, and how, did, um, how did the opportunity at uh, Chandler's come about? Uh, like I say, it was reaching out to people. I think Jeremy actually put me in contact with, with people. I mean, going from like reading his blurb about how Forces Farming conducted their business, it was that link between um, them and us, as it was back then, yeah. um, that he was closing that gap. And that gap was closed up pretty quick and efficiently by them so um i he he had done a bit of background research and found out some names and uh passed them along to me uh, i think he may have even had a couple of uh, quiet words in their uh, shell like <laughs> yes. oh, you know this this guy's interested uh, and, it, and it came out with fruit good so ultimate in networking really absolutely yeah and um obviously your timing is absolutely immaculate as as you've come into it with uh, lockdowns and covid but um what what skills or training have you managed to undertake uh, bearing in mind that a lot of the training facilities are closed at the moment how have you have you got on uh, um, and your post at chandler's is one of i presume of a service technician that's correct. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the service and technician, um, you know, so going into Glassdoor and other online uh, kind of resources, uh, I was reading the job specs and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, OK, that sounds very similar to what it is that I've been teaching. Um, so I was uh, well, if you can teach it, you, you should be able to do it as well. Um, yes. So I'd gone for a couple of technical training jobs uh, and, and not got them. And I was like, OK fair enough there must be a reason why and i concluded that it was because of the experience on products not necessarily on the method of delivery I but it was product knowledge yeah so i was like right well you've got to ground yourself a little bit now uh reset yourself back to zero and then build on those foundations so the only place you can do that one is get back on the shop floor yeah so i then started looking for servicing technician jobs uh and chandler's promptly when they, when a wind of opportunity broke within the covid restrictions phone yes. up, pulled me in for an interview and uh, they they gave the green light yeah uh, what's your initial impressions been both of sort of your, your current job or the industry as a, as a whole will does it uh, you've said about being excited about going for work experience uh, does, does that excitement still hold yeah i mean since since i've uh, started working with chandlers um the the, the amount of self uh, gratitude or risk, pride that I've got doing what it is that I'm doing is, is immeasurable. I, I'm totally enjoying it. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm confident that I've made the, the right decision. Um, and I, I, you know, I look forward to going to work. It sounds cliche, uh, but oh, not uh, at all. I'm, 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 I'm lucky. I'm lucky in the fact that uh, I'm doing what it is that I enjoy doing. And sure. it's able to pay some of the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number one. Yeah. Um, and, and what about your relationship yeah. with uh, colleagues at Chandler's in the service department? I mean, a lot of them will have come up through apprenticeships and uh, be quite quite well versed in the technical aspects of machinery. Um, and you will presumably be a little bit older than them. But but how do you get on with them and then with you, of course? Yeah, Sterling. I mean, Jeremy alluded to it a minute ago in the, 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 the sense of humour and the banter that, that is prevalent within forces uh, is equally in equal measures there with within this kind of environment as well I was um, to hear. <laughs> I, I, I'd come across one although it's because I worked in a combat role which was 
predominantly uh, male orientated up until a couple of years ago when it started allowing females in. Um, and this was similar, or I get the impression this was very similar. I met one girl uh, working for uh, Ben Burgess, who was an apprentice as well. And I was just awestruck to see that, you know, girls were coming into this industry as well. Um, there aren't any uh, chandlers yet, um, no. but the, the age range uh, for apprentices, we've got a couple of younger guys. Uh, and yeah, I hark back to saying that you know I need to ground myself. So uh, I pride myself on being able to humble, be humble slightly, and, and go to them and, and ask for their advice and their guidance because they've got the skill sets needed yes. that I, to, for me to get my job done. Um, and if I can learn along the way, it'll just make the process a little bit more efficient as I can build up my repertoire of technical knowledge uh, yes. so that I can go alone. Um, so within you know the short period of time I've gone from you know learning the process to now have been able to refine that process a little bit as well yeah great and and you know obviously in the services you have a uh, fairly well-defined progression of uh, promotion and so on in civvy street and let's call it that for a moment uh Mm. obviously your advancement is very much down to your sort of personal achievement um how do you see things going Uh, obviously you're probably going to be ambitious in, in in where you go do you see opportunities opening out for you in the future um, I would like to think so. Uh, we, I mean, it's early yeah. days, I do understand. So Yeah, I mean, I'm seven or eight months in down the line now, yeah. um, which, as far as I'm concerned, isn't a long period of time because this is, you know, I'm confident that I'm going to be doing this for, for a long stretch. Uh, so I'm playing a longer game. Um, yes. But whilst in the services, we used to have a careers management officer uh, and I went and did one of those courses. Uh, and you get an idea then of, like, um, the needs and the wants. So um the the needs of the organization versus your wants and now if the two don't marry up then you're going to get slightly strong-armed into the fact that you know in a public sector you're going to get the the needs sorted out first yeah and then if you want to go away and do specialist course then that's nice as well Uh, and it would kind of bolster up your your spectrum of qualifications and experience and what have you now when it comes to hierarchy of qualifications if you like or what it is that you could conduct within this industry i'm not 100 percent sure i mean since i've been there uh, they have invested in me yeah um, you know, i've got a couple of qualifications under my belt already but the barriers have been put up as a result of covid means that everything's had to really slow down uh, and you know credit to all the guys uh, at co for busting out some online training sessions and still trying to soldier on through, as they said. Well, what do you think, um, coming from uh, a quite a, a lengthy service background, uh, what attributes do you think you bring to a company in, uh, well, let's say the agriculture machinery sector, the agriculture engineering sector, or indeed any sector? What, what do you think uh, is your main selling point as a potential employee? See, I was always very careful to not lure myself into a false sense of security when it comes <laughs> to characteristics. Because everybody was saying, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to be hot property when you get out. People really want you. If you, if, if you fell short of that one, you're going to get let yourself in for a bit of a disappointment. Um, but I think, you know, with people being able to see what it was that we were doing uh, in the public eye uh, and then abroad as well, um, the, the respect that you're able to get from people just for having served your country, 
you know, you've got your organization, you've got your respect for others, um, selfless commitment. You know, there was a, there was a mantra that was created into us uh, about all these attributes that we would have as a service person that, uh, that you could then shift across into civilian society, I suppose. Uh, punctuality, you know, being, uh, it's a simple one, uh, but it's a respectful one as well. Sure. Being smartly dressed or how to talk to people appropriately. Yes. Um, the, the willingness and the desire and the drive to get things done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yes. might, it, it might take a little bit longer if you're unsure and stuff. And I've come a cropper of this one firsthand over the last couple of days um, yeah. where it's taken me a little bit longer, but that's because I'm learning that process, yeah. not in the stage of refining it yet. Uh, and then over time, the more experience that you build, the quicker you're going to get at it. So trustworthiness as well, I think, is, is, is another uh, kind of characteristic that you can pull across as well. Um, Excellent. Being yeah. responsible for a set of keys, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the, Jeremy, the, the, everything that Will has said, does that sort of resonate with you as uh, going the right path in, in terms of, of meeting the objectives of forces farming? Yeah, it really does, Chris. It's there's a couple of things there that will will mentioned actually you know and i think that's one of the biggest similarities is is between the agricultural industry and the armed forces is you know both industries to a certain extent are doing something that you know i'd say out loud you know potentially that we feel that the general public don't really understand the ins and the outs of of what goes on whether that's in agriculture or in the armed forces um but especially as well you know about what a, a service lever brings to a business and that's one of the things that i talk quite early and quite openly with um, any potential employers is is the fact that you know you're bringing in an employee that has managed people before you know been in difficult situations and what that can bring as well to let's say some of the colleagues for example in will's case you know some of the potential younger guys on the team maybe you know having someone older than them to look to and and understand how you work with people is one of the biggest things I think, you Mm. know, service leavers and and forces farming brings into an organization because it's different, you know, than having four or five, let's say apprentices who are all between maybe 16 and 20. Suddenly you've got someone in Will's case, who's, you know, late thirties, who's, who's wants to learn and wants to know about the job, but brings a wealth of other skills to, to the job than, than just the knowledge, so to say, you know, how you approach people, as you said, the timeliness, the being smart, keeping things clean and tidy, that sort of thing, representing the company as you go out. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely what, um, what we're all about. I think uh, you told me earlier that, um, and obviously your timing in, fo- in launching Forces Farming has been unfortunate in one sense, but at least it's given you the chance to sort of really look at what the opportunities are that you were either did hold or you you uh, an event at Silverstone, uh, which you had a, a tractor and presumably some of the, the people there uh, were not in the machinery trade. Did, did, did the tractor tell them anything about our sector of the industry? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So about probably about 11 months ago, um, I was invited to a, a mission motorsport transition day for for service leavers. And a lot of them were still serving. Um, I, I've been uh, you know, discussing with Agco about what service leavers bring, et cetera, et cetera. And I just approached them and said, look, I've got a day at Silverstone. You know, could you arrange a piece? 
piece of machinery or a tractor or whatever to come to Silverstone and we can have it on the forces farming stand. And not only did it make the Agco brand stand out, in this case, it was a Valtra tractor, but it gave people who were walking past the opportunity to see what a modern tractor is. You know, they, they can we can we climb in the cab? Can I take a selfie with it? And so on and so <laughs> forth. And, you know, I mentioned to you before, you know, when people climb in the cab and they see, well, hang on a minute, it's, it's got a leather seat, it's heated. It's got a leather steering wheel. It's it's clean. It's got digital gauges. It's got electric switches, and, and it's got a touchscreen. You know that people don't appreciate the technology that is in agricultural machines unless you know the industry and you're you're following it or you're growing up with it. So yeah, that really gave me an opportunity to talk to people just about agriculture from a different perspective. And I probably had about twenty five or thirty people get in contact on that day and and express interest in agriculture. And and presumably will that's the same applies to tanks i guess um you know people look at the tank with all the tracks and the and the arm around it but they probably don't uh, appreciate the amount of technology that's under the bonnet shall we say i was just have a bit of a giggle there because uh, the, the the cab on a tractor versus the cabin on a tank are, are worlds apart that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> the uh, i think the only the only benefit that a tank has over a tractor is that you have a kettle on the tank uh, but not on a tractor <laughs> But we do have calling boxes. I've learned. <laughs> I was I was thinking in sort of guidance systems and so on. Is there much uh, technology yeah. there? I uh, I mean the I think um, to gu guidance not necessarily so much because uh, you know as a, as a tank operator and commander you need the, the ability to go back to basics because if a system goes down you need redundancy in there. So the Mark One eyeball and a and a good old ordnance survey map often yeah. used to do or, or satellite photos used to do the, the trick. Nice. Um, but in order for to do like target acquisition stuff, then yeah, you were incorporating some crazy amounts of technology, data transfer, uh, lazing targets, handing them off. Uh, emails on the battle space, you know, uh, and then I look at the similarities with precision uh, agriculture farming nowadays, and I'm like, yeah, that 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 rings a lot of similarity between how we conducted business on palming off a target to making sure that I've got a a, a three centimeter uh, precision on my AB line down field. Yep. tall woods or whatever the case may be um and i think uh precision farming is probably outdoing military um uh, precision um yeah. yeah and i think as you both said that's not really understood by uh the general public and, and and a lot of people um well have you sort of come across many customers have you had exposure on farms and that to customers and are they interested in your your route into into chandler's um, I, I originally started um, at Chandler's uh, kind of in the summer uh, and what well, during a, a, although you don't get very many quiet periods during the summer and harvest and what have you, but there was a slight lull in battle as it were. Uh, I was sent out to one farm um, <laughs> and, I, and I had to take it on trust that a friend would say to me, oh, well, I need to go out and do a water pump for me on a Massey Ferguson. And I was like, look, mate, I'm happy to go and do it, but I need you to tell me that you know that I can do it. I don't want to go out there and fail uh, because it will get egg on our face uh, and it will be more detrimental than, than kind of... Going. And he was like, yeah, you, you with the technical ability and knowledge that you've got, you can easily go out and do this one. So I trusted him and I went and did it. And um, like within the, the following week, 
another ex-vet, actually. Uh, he was in the Royal Marines that I worked with a few year, generations before me. He was like, oh, I've been hearing some good stories about you, Will. And it was just <laughs> those uh, off-the-cuff, flippant comments that were oh. meant in a, 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 a appraisal kind of way that meant the most to me uh, because... The, the the farmer that I, who in this instance I went out there I was like look mate uh, I'm not being funny this is my first ever job doing this outside of what it is that I did before and he, he was like oh what did you do I was like um, to to dub it down a little bit I was a tank commander <laughs> yes and he was like oh right <laughs> yeah that is a bit different isn't it I was like yeah it is you're right but we'll see what we can do and I'm sure we'll get you started by the end of the day uh, I was a little bit late home that night uh, but I definitely drove home with a smile on my face having achieved something totally brand new oh that's 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 brilliant i was going to say chris that's that's one thing i think that that is an underlying part of forces farming is that farmers i I always say farmers work on a principle of no like and trust if they know you they'll you know they'll let you on the farm they'll answer the phone to you they'll have a chat with you if they like you you get invited in for a brew you know you get recognized for what you've done and if they trust you then they'll buy something from you or work with you so to say and that element of trust is is already there with people leaving the armed forces because you've served the country you put your life on your line you dedicated your life to a job and that is that resounds so well with farmers i think that's why the industry is so well matched together wow excellent so uh, well look very many thanks for, for both of you. it's been very entertaining i have to say and i've learned learned quite a lot um for jeremy what, what's the next plans for forces farming uh, just more of the same obviously you will be glad when things open up a bit because it'll give you a lot more scope uh, for your operation yeah so what we're looking at at the moment is you know with all due respect to the lockdown rules and things like that as soon as they're lifted um we're going to start to look at having insight days on farms getting some experience events in place so that people, for example, like Will, and this is what would I would have ideally done with Will is we would have been on farms, you know, done maybe two, three weeks experience um, with a dealership, which Will's done already off his own back, um, and then work towards what potential placements can we develop over the time as well, you know, because as, as someone's coming up to leave the armed forces, I think the next question when someone decides to go is, is right, well, where are we going next? You know, where are we going to live? Where are we going to work? If I could start to build up placements with companies, then that takes out that question of where are we going next? And it as well builds in experience and, um, and time spent on farms or with, with manufacturers. One thing I'm working on at the moment is to look at what college courses we can get put in place for people um, that are coming out of the armed forces with an existing element of engineering experience to come in and do a shortened, you know, maybe six or eight week starter course on agricultural engineering, talk about farming in part of it, talk about, you know, what is minimum tillage, what is, you know, direct drilling, all of those, those terms and those analogies that are used in farming and to start to apply them to um, service leavers and veterans that want to get into agriculture. And then that gives as well from a dealer's perspective, someone who has dedicated themselves to a level of education, they've shown an interest in the industry and they've done something off their own back kind of thing. So it makes employing a service leaver from a dealer's perspective as well, um, less of a risk, you know, taking someone on that doesn't have that background knowledge, but Will is a great case in point. You know, we can see it has been done. Chandler's very happy with how he's getting on. It's been probably one of the most challenging times, I think, with not having training centres open and whatnot. But 
as, as we said at the start, you know, one of the key skills of a service lever is their resilience and ability to get things done in any circumstances. Sure, sure. And Will, I expect you will be uh, pleased when things do open up that you can avail yourself of all the training courses and, 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 and bolster, your, uh, you bolster your product knowledge because uh, ev everything done digitally uh, and online is, is fine. But essentially, it's, uh, it, you really need to get your hands dirty and do these sort of things uh, to get the full value out of them, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the networking that I've briefly done, uh, just been able to put a face to a name. I mean, Jeremy and I are often uh, are chatting with each other uh, uh, on the way to and from work just for a catch up on, on the mates rates, not necessarily chatting about work per se, but uh, nine times out of ten, it tends to go that way, doesn't it, mate? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it does. Uh, <laughs> You know, not not even able to have a cup of tea or a beer together, uh, and the and the same goes with some of the guys that um, I've kind of made acquaintances with from Agco. Uh, Richard Charles being one of them, uh, the the training uh, yeah. manager over there. Um, just on a again on a flippant comment, whilst I was doing one of the online training packages, he was like. All right, your will. I was like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> he goes, your reputation precedes you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, well, I hope it's only good news. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, uh, Jeremy and, and Will, many, many thanks for, for joining me today. It's It's been excellent. I've really uh, learned a lot, and I hope uh, those that, that tune into this will also do so. So I wish you very well with the uh, ongoing with uh, uh, Forces Farming, uh, Jeremy, and, and, and you, Will, with, with your career at Chandler's. I'm, I'm sure you'll both do very well and and thank you again thank you chris thanks very much thank you very much well that was quite a story from jeremy and will who has seemingly swapped the challenger tank for a challenger of the tractor variety how neat can that be and uh, did i hear it right and, and i wrote it down uh, during the recording will saying that even doing some voluntary work experience at ben burgess he said I was bedazzled by the glitz and glamour of the industry. I don't think I've ever heard anybody express it in those terms, but what a testimony. However, probably more relevant is the reaction of the customer when learning that it was Will's first outside repair and hearing of his service experience was entirely trusting of his, of his ability to get the job done. So if you want to know more about Forces Farming, go to the website www.forcesfarming.co.uk or perhaps connect with Will Foster via LinkedIn. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf.